You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. What's going on, folks? This is Dewey. Welcome back to the Peer Pleasure Podcast. We're glad to have you back. We've got a very special guest today, but first I wanted to talk about something that you may have heard at the beginning of the podcast. Yes, it's true. We are the newest member of the Jabberjaw Media family. Jabberjaw Media is a podcast network hosting shows from Shane Told, from Silverstein, uh, Matt from Emory. Uh, We also have Mike Carrera from MXPX. I mean, the list goes on and on. Stephen Christian from uh, Amberlynn. I mean, it's a great network. We're super happy to be on board. Uh, This just happened over the last week and wanted to announce it today. So Peer Pleasure Podcast is now a part of the Jabberjaw family, and you can find us at jabberjawmedia.com as well as peerpleasurepodcast.com. Now getting to today's episode, we have Thomas Arak from The Fall of Troy. Thomas is a super cool dude. We had a blast touring together. We had a blast on the podcast. It had been years and years since we've talked to each other. And picking up the phone and and talking was just just like we had seen each other two days ago. So the episode went rather long. Uh, It was about two and a half hours. And it was the middle of the night, which was strange because, you know, usually it would be shorter, you think, at that point. But anyway, moving on, we are going to break this episode up into a part one and a part two. So if you want to hear uh, the full episode, I decided to release both at the same time. So when you look in your iTunes uh, or on your SoundCloud, you're going to see Thomas Arak part one and part two. So instead of releasing that differently in the uh, another day in the week, we're going to do it today. So after you're done with this one, the part one, if you want to click to part two, go ahead. Otherwise, you can pause it and put it on to something else. So uh, see that at another time. Anyway, so Thomas uh, just finished a world tour with Fall of Troy and uh, Andrew, who we had on the very first episode of this podcast. So Thomas moved to Michigan with his girlfriend, Jenica, and her son, Aubin. And uh, he, we talk a lot about music, of course. But we also talk about uh, becoming a father figure to Aubin and uh, going from you know the road to being responsible for a child. Um, and I think Thomas is really happy where he's at. I think Jenica really saved him. So you'll hear more on that in this, ep- this episode. Uh, but we want to thank you again for listening. We want to thank you for being a part of the Peer Pleasure family. 
Um, and we want to say thanks again to Jabberjaw for bringing us on board. So once again, you can find us on Twitter at Pod Peer Pleasure. You can find us on Instagram at Peer Pleasure Pod. And my email is peerpleasurepod at gmail.com. If you have questions, comments, concerns, guest ideas, just want to just want to drop a line, whatever you want to do. So uh, without further ado, let's break into part one of Thomas Arak from the Fall of Troy. <laughs> we can get started here it's pretty late on your end uh, no dude, it's, it's me and me and my girlfriend are extreme night animals night okay. creatures creatures of the night so it's actually this is like prime time for me kind of nice dude does does uh Aubin sleep in then or do you guys just not sleep much <laughs> we just, we just <laughs> <don't> sleep much. <laughs> i was gonna I say was with like, kids i figured you'd be in bed by eight o'clock no he's in bed <laughs> He's not even in bed by eight o'clock. Um, but it's like on a good week, we'll, we'll go to bed. Let's, let's, let's even say on a good day. Like if she's not um, working a show because she runs a venue out here in Pontiac called the Crowfoot Ballroom. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And um, so she's like the, 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 the nightmare there, the DM there basically. Okay. And uh, so, you know, she'll be up from anywhere to, you know, if it's just one show, because there's three rooms in mm-hmm. in the place. One room's like three thousand cap. One's like four fifty, and then one is like two hundred. And so, you know, if there's like a show in the in the smaller venue that starts early, sometimes she'll get home if if I'm lucky and she's lucky, like maybe around two o'clock, maybe like right before last call, and we'll meet up for a drink or something. But that's pretty rare. It's okay. usually more like three to three to five in the morning. So. But on a good day, when she doesn't work, um, if she doesn't have to do other other tasks, because you know her job comes with a lot of homework, it seems like. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll usually be in bed around three. Okay. Um, and then we take Ob into school at. We get up at like seven. Um, he oh. has to stay school, but yeah, he has to be at school by like. 820 or something like that uh-huh. um and then but then on wednesdays uh he starts like an hour later so that's 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 nice sometimes on wednesdays because she has a lot of the middle of the week off nice because she's usually weekends you know yeah yeah but yeah, yeah so, but yeah that whole that, that whole thing to me is is a pretty new area of life you know like uh children and such yeah <laughs> I was going to ask you about that because I, I mean, uh, well, let me first, I've, I've already, I mean, it, this thing records right when we click together. So um, real quick, I just want to preface this conversation that I'm speaking with the one and only Thomas Eric from the Fall of Troy, 
for those of you who who uh, aren't here with the two of us right now, uh, just to let everyone know who this is. So um, on the Peer Pleasure Podcast. So I want to definitely, uh, I want to jump into that. And how has your life changed over the last little while? I mean, you, you've, uh, you met Jenica. How did you guys meet? Um, we, we've had like a lot of mutual, uh, friends and things like that, just because, you know, she's a musician as well and Mm -hmm. also has been running venues since she was in her like, you know, late teens, early twenties, even. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so when I was in, uh, in, when I joined Chiodos for a little while, um, we played at the cut and she was working and she was she was uh, familiar with the fall of troy like she really liked our stuff and had actually seen us like three or four times or something like that Mm -hmm. she was working and pulled some slick little flirt move on me at the bar and um and and it was and it was love at first sight on my end so and i went back after um i was talking to our bass player and he was like did Jenica was Jenica just flirting with you for like a half an hour? I was like, I don't know. He's like, you better go get her number, man. Like, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> yeah, she's she's kind of she's kind of a local celebrity in her own right. Uh huh. Yeah, like everybody everybody knows her, and she's super cool. So yeah, I don't know. And we were we were friends. We were friends for um, quite some time before any of this even presented itself. You know? Yeah. Because yeah. we we kind of did the dance of. Um, you know, I'm, I have a shitty girlfriend and then she has a shitty boyfriend when I'm not with shitty girlfriend. And then I get shitty girlfriend when she breaks up with shitty boyfriend. And that's what we either spend our time talking about, uh, music or, or pretty much how shitty our relationships were for a long time. And then we kind of realized when we were finally both single, like, you know, you know we kind of like each other, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I mean, um, we, there's more to the story, but I, I'm pretty sure we'll probably touch on something that that will tie this all back together, like sure. uh, a little bit. Later. But I'll leave it there for now. Okay. But she's she's a very uh, she's been a very good friend, and she's an unbelievably strong, uh, amazing woman, and she's she's done a lot for me, uh, you know, personally. Sure, she, and that's she's helped me a lot. That's what it's all about, man. And it's kind of cool because you've gone from because you moved out there now, so you kind of went for it's kind of the pressure is off you somewhat because you went from you know, Seattle area where you've been forever as kind of mm. the local celebrity there quote air quotes. Um, and now she is, so it's kind of, it, it's kind of a cool, uh, switch of roles for you guys. Definitely. But you know, you know, what's funny about that Dewey is, is like to be just, you know, I'm going to level with you completely about everything. We sure. About. Sure. You need to be inflation or anything, but I feel like I get recognized and kind of, uh, punished more, out here than I did in Seattle. And I think that's because my dad always said to me, you know, if you're doing things right, you're never a rock star in your own hometown. Yeah. That you know? makes sense. And, yeah. And so I kind of grew up with that mentality because of mm-hmm. my dad, you know, and kind of trying to just, I mean, everybody knew me in Seattle and knew all the good things and the bad things about me. And so like, you know, when there's no veil of, of, you know, the guitar god or like whatever that shit is people do and say to me that i just don't understand but um yeah you know it's actually it's cool because uh people out here are very different than people in seattle in the way that 
you know, I've had tons of people come up to me because I go to a lot of shows at her venue. Just, uh-huh. just be, you know, that's what I like to do if I'm not doing anything. I like to be around her and I like to see music and um, it gives me an opportunity to see a lot of shows. Like I would never even know what they were or, you know, and like I've heard of so many cool bands by just, uh, just like going to shows and yeah. being around with her and, and all that. Um, but yeah, it's been, uh, it's been interesting because it hasn't been so much like not being in the position of people knowing who I am, but they treat it much differently out here. It's like now that they know I'm from Detroit or I live here now, mm-hmm. uh, there's this sense of like kind of unity and pride in, in this area mm-hmm. where like if a band from Detroit gets popular, gets big, like people don't do the thing in, like they do in Seattle where the fall Troy got some recognition and started to kind of get bigger and stuff. And people like, Oh, you know, why would I go see uh, Thomas and Andrew's band when I have my own band? They're too fucking cool to, you know, play DIY house fucking parties, you know, yeah. anymore and like, shit like that. And people here are like, they're all about like, you know, lifting you up and, 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 and being proud of you and stuff like that. If you, if you rep, if you rep here as like being your, your home base, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to, it's, it's been encouraging actually, you know, it's been really encouraging because I did feel like in Seattle a lot, uh, I mean, especially when we, and I, I was doing like some other projects, like people just, man, at first people just did not give a fuck at Uh home. You know, it was, I couldn't even get my so-called friends to come see my band. (laughs) I couldn't even like get them to come on the guest list. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, because like, they had other shit going on. Asking them if they wanted to be on the guest list, like for a just like vinyl show and shit. But you know that ended up being okay because we ended up getting out of Seattle pretty quick and doing some tours and doing actually pretty well with that band. Um, but yeah, so that's what's up with me moving out here and kind of just the vibe that I'm that I'm having. You know, right okay. Now. Yeah, and and I was and that kind of brings up some more thoughts. <clears throat> I talked to, as you know, I talked to Andrew and did that that podcast with him, which went really well, and and I had a blast talking to yeah, him again. Yeah. And um, you know, I mentioned in there like you know him being the drummer in a band that is so focused on you know you hear Fall of Troy, you hear oh that guitar is amazing, you know, and it and that's that's the kind of the stigma that follows that band and and uh, you know. I'm trying to think how to bridge the subject, but the, when you guys came out, it was, it was, uh, you know, really guitar driven and, uh-huh. and you know, the guitar is amazing. You know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's, it's amazing. And, and be actually playing with you on stage before, you know, uh, you know, jamming on Tommy with Portugal and, and actually like playing with along with you and watching how effortless it was there's a lot more bands like that now. Um, yeah. do you, do you feel you had something to do with, with that movement? It seems like when I put on like, say Spotify, I put in fall I, Troy or I yeah. put in animals as leaders. I'm hearing guitars that I've never imagined before coming at me. And there's right. like 50 million bands with amazing guitar players, which you, you never saw back then. Y- yeah. You know what though? Um, from my perspective, at mm-hmm. least like, um, I mean, let's, let's use, uh, like our, our, our friends, Chan as an example, yes. you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, here's the, here's the biggest difference I think, in my opinion, between, uh-huh. uh, like all of that kind of stuff and, and what, 
the fall of Troy actually is, is that those guys play guitar for like, I mean, like all, all day, every yeah. day. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and no theory and no, you know what I mean? Like no, all of, they, they know the ins and outs of what they're doing, mm-hmm. you know? Yes. And I, I'm a drummer, dude. I grew uh-huh. up, I grew up with, like if it, when it comes to theory and rhythm and things like that, like I know how to read music if it if it's rhythm. But like as soon as it comes to like circle of fifths and 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 whole tone scales and triads and da 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 and all that shit, like yeah. the only the only shit I really know is the stuff that my dad is like pumped into my head, which is like pretty much the basics, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And and maybe like I especially think because I've taught guitar lessons recently in the last few years and it kind of pushed me to like have to learn more about theory and stuff you know what i mean because i get asked questions like oh you do it like this you know and it's like (laughs) it doesn't really yeah it doesn't um but i think the difference between us and like a band like sean or animals as leaders or something like that is like for us it's more it it feels i feel like we are a lot more punk than those bands are in the fact like we play off of emotion. And I, I also think that you know, I know that people are like the guitar, the guitar, the guitar without, with the fall. But if you actually listen to it, like there is no way in hell I could ever play this music without Andrew. Mm-hmm. No way in hell. Andrew is, he's a, he's a, he's a freak of nature, yeah, you know, like, that's true. And, and we understand each other so well. And we, it's it's because we've been, I mean we've been playing together for so long now like we can read each other's minds but in the very beginning like he understood where I was coming from because we both liked the same stuff and we were both drummers you know and so to me at the time like I was just trying to make him play crazy shit and then trying to like play all the notes he was playing mm-hmm. on the guitar and it was like you know the guitar to me is more of like like a lot of a lot of these more techie bands and stuff, like a lot of those guys like pay, play piano and stuff too. And like, yeah, you know, all that stuff. And, and for me, it's like guitars, like kind of like drums with notes, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, and that's always the way I've looked at it. And I'm, I'm not ignorant to the fact of like, there's so much more I could learn and I'm definitely not ever where I want to be as a guitar player. You yeah. know, I feel much more confident playing drums, uh, even like lately, I I, I uh, I'm playing in a band called Spit Spot with Jenica out here. Actually, where I'm playing, uh, I've been playing drums in it, uh-huh. and it's just it, that feels pretty effortless to me, you know. Mm-hmm. But the thing about it is, is that it's also like pretty simple, kind of just like punk rock, like and sometimes like campy ballads. Uh-huh. Um, so it's like dynamic and cool songs but it's not like what andrew's doing where he's playing a million miles an hour and playing for an hour and a half you know like harder than ever seen anybody play you know it's like i get through 35 minutes set of you know playing rock songs and like i'm i'm tired man (laughs) you know (laughs) are you still there thomas yeah okay sorry it cut off i wasn't sure it went it went completely quiet so um, no, still here. Okay, um, and with that, I mean, I mean, Andrew is a force to be reckoned with, and and uh, I was kind of thinking about, you know, I told the story on his podcast of how we first met when we started the So So Gangs tour at the bottom of the hill in San Francisco, and <laughs> and 
just watching. Yeah. I mean, because at that point, I had never seen you guys play live. I just heard stories and and uh, you know, and I'd heard the music. Um, I listened to it on the way down uh, to San Francisco from Portland, and I. It's funny to me that you say you're exhausted after after playing that that because watching you live. I mean, everything right. came to life because my first experience was watching Soundcheck, and even watching Soundcheck was intense. I mean, no one was really moving, but just watching those songs played live, where I could actually watch, you know, how it was done, because that was before YouTube was really huge, and you know, where you could see everything. Um, once that once that show started and you guys hit that first song and you were instantaneously in the crowd, I mean, yeah. you guys are going off for an hour and it seemed so effortless. I mean, you could see the sweat and and everything else, but it just looked natural. And that was something I always thought was amazing with you guys is is just how at home you looked on stage. I mean, it was I mean in your face, you know, and and it was just genuine and that was so cool and that's why it's funny that playing drums for half an hour would exhaust you when a show you know hour hour and a half headlining show sold out crowd you seem fine except for covered you know drenched but you're still able to function after i think i'm more conditioned at this point to like do the play guitar and sing and go crazy thing than i am to like actually like play drums though because drums is like a different kind of feeling Mm -hmm. it makes your body feel different not only that like uh, playing guitar and like rocking out and stuff like that's like to me that's like kind of a more natural type of movement type yeah. of thing and playing drums is more of like just like a straight you're beating your body up and like it's cardio and you know what mm-hmm. i mean it's like riding a bike or something for non-stop for like that long and uh not only that like i'm 31 now dude i'm not 21 anymore you know like my body is doing a whole bunch of things it like didn't used to do yeah <laughs> I'm sure, dude. I went through the same thing, you know, different path, but I went through the same, you know, why am I, why am I exhausted? Why it's seven 30 at night. Why do I want to go to bed? Or, you know, you get sick and you're sick for two weeks instead of a week or, you know. Yes. Um, That's one of my biggest problems out here in, in Michigan. It just seems like I get these like colds that aren't that bad, but they just stick around forever. Like I'll get a cough and I'll have it for like a month, you know? Yeah, dude, I absolutely know. And I, I want to uh, touch on one more thing on that subject is is how you're talking about approaching things more punk rock. The cool thing with your guys' uh, approach is you're still doing these insane guitar uh, gymnastics with a regular six-string guitar, mm-hmm. standard tuning, maybe drop D, but you're not yeah, switching guitars every five minutes. And you're doing it organically, you know, without a ton of effects. And even your effects are you know, tend to be analog uh, delays yeah. and, you know, mm-hmm. the occasional looper. But it's organic and it's it's just like any guitar player back in the 70s would have had. Same rig, but you're making it sound yeah. like something from the future, which is really cool to see. Well, again, I think, again, that like kind of comes back to my dad, like the fact my dad's such like a left field bass player that like he's amazing and i I was just brought up to believe like with any instrument you play being original and and um and it all being in the hands is the most important thing you know what i mean it's how you touch the instrument it's about how you you know how you make love to it you know what i mean like yeah you you can't i mean 
it's so cliche, but I mean, we don't need to even go down that road. But I just think that, you know, uh, just playing music in general is, is a very, for, for me, a very, I mean, it's the closest thing to making love to, to, to someone, you know what I mean? Yeah. That, that I've felt, um, not that I like, you know, get a, get a heart on like playing guitar or anything like that, but like the feeling that it gives you and the, and the rush that you get and mm-hmm. the, the care you have to take of what you're doing and pay attention to what you're doing and be immersed in what you're doing for it to like, you know, to get off more or less. Yeah. Is, is um, it, it's very similar, you know? Yeah. It's very similar. And because, you know, you sometimes you don't, you don't want to go too fast. You don't want to go too slow. You don't want to go too hard. You don't want to play too soft, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, just a hundred percent aware of everything going on and, and the output coming out. I sometimes I don't even think aware is the word I would use. I would use the word like connected, you know, okay. like yeah. in, in it, in it, like mm-hmm. the trance, the trance is authentic for, for me, you know? And I think for us as a, as a unit, like when we, when we're on, when us, when us three are like on, 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 it feels like one unit. Like, I like, it's like a, like a really, it's like a really, uh, powerful car engine or something there's like all these different parts working at once that are complicated but when you put them all together it's it's one powerful engine you know Uh, what i mean yeah that's kind of what i feel that's what i feel like about uh about our band you know yeah Uh, pertaining to playing live definitely sure i think our in the studio is a completely different thing than we are uh as a live band yeah, and you guys are, I mean, the live experience is, is definitely, I mean, you can listen to the records all day, and you, and that's awesome to have, and right. they sound great, but the live experience, and I say this from after watching you guys, like, I don't know what, 35 times? I mean, it's, it's just, it's it's awesome, and, and uh, I think that's why you guys have, have lasted so long. You know, you guys have been through some shit, and, but <laughs> the fans are there because, you know, you've earned them one at a time. And that's, that's one thing we saw on that tour, you know, you guys were just starting to really start to see some success. And I remember you saying to me like, this is the the seventh show in a row that's sold out. Like, this is crazy. Yeah. And we were watching that happen and it's, it, it was cool to see and, and, uh, um, to be a part of and, and, and just experience that. It was really cool. And, and it was, uh, a time. It, was it was a wild time for all of us, you know, like we yeah. were all, in these kind of abstract, in these, I mean, it, by by today's standards, these very abstract bands, mm-hmm. that, I mean, definitely had mentality in common. Yeah, I like that's what tied tied all of us together. I think as friends and as admiring each other's music and things like that. But like, I also feel like uh, there's just not enough diversity in certain genres ever, anymore. You know, like ev- yeah. like everything has to be its its own thing or be just like something else. Mm-hmm. Like you can't, just, you can't just, um, you can't just say like, Oh dude, like, you know, this, uh, this rock band and this rock band, like blah, blah, blah. You know, like us in Portugal don't have a lot of like musical straight up similarities on the surface level. But once you dig a little deeper into what's actually happening, like there's so many similarities, you sure. know, like, um, and especially I think just in the way that the music's delivered and the live show and, the passion that's put behind it and things like that. It's just like, I don't know. There's just a not, it, it's all about authenticity to me. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And that was, just, I mean, we were young and wild and like, that was just a really, 
crazy time and just surrounded by people and surrounding other people that that loved us and we loved and supported and and likewise and yeah man that was like one of the one of one of one of the best times of my life for sure you know and i've had a lot <laughs> yeah i'm sure dude and i it's, it, i mean the feelings mutual and and i i you brought up your dad a couple times i wanted yeah. to talk a little bit about that too because i mean he seems like he was a pretty big influence on you was he supportive of what you were doing with fall of troy i mean i know he came from a more uh, it seems like a more traditional player uh to where he may have did did he support that music you were doing or oh, was he into it yeah definitely not a traditional player like okay. knows knows all his shit but i mean is a space alien like okay. when it comes to comes to like his instrument and he plays multiple instruments as well he almost kind of plays everything but uh one thousand percent our biggest supporter of all time you know okay like he, he yeah my, i mean my dad when we were when we like got out of high school and you know tim was working at guitar center and i didn't have a job and i was like kind of half-assed like going to community college and like we were all we were all just really trying to make the band work uh-huh. you know yeah and just and doing drugs like that's pretty much what was going down yeah you know Sex, drugs, rock and roll. Like, that's what we were about. We were like 19, you know, 20 years old. And, um, my, you know, and, and we were poor, dude. We were like poor, poor. And uh, and my dad just kind of took all three of us into like his apartment and just like let us live there for free. Like as long as as long as uh, we were being productive with the band and like, you know, and, like going going on tour and playing shows con- consistently. And yeah. You know, he uh-huh. he definitely carried us for a few years there and allowed us to be able to have money to have a practice spot. You know, whereas if we were us three, like had a one bedroom apartment, we wouldn't have been able to afford a practice spot. You know, sure. <laughs> so like, yeah. So he's been he's been a huge, not only a huge influence musically and uh, mentality wise, but just also uh, like a just a huge supporter and just our our biggest fan. Like, okay. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's good to hear. Cause I, I mean, a lot of times y- you see things where, you know, the dad's really good at something and the son follows along and the dad's kind of like, you'll never be as good as I am. Or you, you know, what you're doing is ridiculous. And I'm glad that wasn't the case. And, and oh, uh, no. that support is huge. The, yeah. The polar opposite. And I don't even think only for me, I think my dad really took Andrew and Tim, you know, like really in as, as more than just like my buddies, you know, mm-hmm. like really took them in as like his, his sons, you know what I mean? Like he loves Tim and Andrew, like, like they are his own, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. he, he's, he's a very emotional, eccentric person. If you can believe that. <laughs> but, yeah, I wonder where that came from. <laughs> I wonder where I got those. Uh-huh. Thanks dad for making yeah. me a weirdo. Thanks a lot. But, uh, <laughs> But whatever, you know, it's, yeah, he's just, he's very emotional and, and connected to what we're doing and he really cares about it and he really like wants the best for us. He's also not afraid to tell us when we're fucking up and being stupid, Sure, you know? Yeah. Um, so like, he's been a very valuable, you know, you know, but you know, my dad, my dad lived this life, uh, you know, in kind of a different in a different time than me you know rock Uh and roll was just bigger in general then yeah but also you know my dad was like he was playing with other people you know he was a bass player and he did a lot of session stuff and like a lot of like 
he'd go on tour with this person for two months and then like go on tour with someone else, you know, for like a month. And yeah. like, it was never like his band, you know what I mean? Like uh-huh. his music, like, um, and that's something I think that he's definitely like lived very vicariously through me, uh, with, you know, like, I think like he's really, uh, proud that, that, that like people connect to his son's story mm-hmm. like that. Cause you know, all our, all our songs are, are narrative, you know, they're all about, about my own life in one way or another, yeah. you know, whether they're, they're, uh, slightly fictional or if they're just straight up, you know, like, uh, like that's just kind of where I write from with this band. It's like kind of like my diary and it's kind of my, my exorcism and my therapy, like all wrapped up into one thing, you know, mm-hmm. and my workout <laughs> and <Yeah>. my cardio. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome, dude. And, and so I wanted to uh, look into how the high leading up to the high, I mean, cause when we were, we're this tour we're talking about was when manipulator hadn't quite come mm. out yet. Um, mm-hmm. or it was coming out during this tour and that's when things were starting to blow up. Um, and then you guys released a few more releases and then, uh, went on that hiatus. What was leading up to that hiatus like for you? It, it, what was building with you, um, at that I, point? Personally, like in my own head. Yeah. Like what led up to that hiatus for you? Cause you're kind of the, uh, the leader. So, I mean, it's, yeah. I think it was hard for me, man. Cause I know like it, it was always perceived as like, I'm the leader and I'm the d- great decision maker and it's Thomas's band. But like, that's so not true. If you really mm-hmm. know the inner workings, Yeah, you know, um, like, yeah, I, I was writing a vast majority of the songs, but when it came to like making any type of like business decision or like, you know, like Andrew was someone I really looked to for, uh, you know, to like make decisions for me, you know, when I didn't yeah. really know, you know, I was like, man, I'm, I'm like this weird music kind of like pseudo savant kind of person that kind of sucks at everything else except for music. And I'm like, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, I, I'm pretty fucking good at that, but that's not shocking either. Like, you know, my dad given and all that stuff, but yeah. like, yeah. So Andrew, you know, and, and Tim too was like more like my, like my, like my little brother, you know, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. and someone that I felt like, um, like gave me a reason to kind of like set a precedent, you know what I mean? Like to kind of like set an example of like what to do and like what not to do. And like, it made me like kind of put down uh, ground rules, you uh-huh. know what I mean? Just, just to try to keep him from flying off the handle all the time. But I mean, you know, also back then we were, we were all, we were all getting pretty crazy with the substance abuse and stuff, stuff like that. Um, yeah. Obviously as, as Andrew explained pretty in depthly with his podcast, you know, um, What's going on, guys? This is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I want to tell you about our newest sponsor, DistroKid. DistroKid distributes your music across all online platforms. They are an amazing company. I've enjoyed working with them the last few weeks, and they're going to be with us for a while, and I really, really appreciate that. I love working with great companies, and DistroKid is one of them. Uh, They have an awesome thing they're doing right now called Splits. Now, if you're working as most people are online, doing collaborations with people from all over the country, all over the world, as easy as that is with the internet, uh, you want to get those people paid when you put that music online. And splits can do that. You can add an unlimited amount of collaborators to any track 
You can change the splits at any time. You can add or remove collaborators at any time. You can see previous splits. And all your collaborators are going to have to do is sign up for a DistroKid membership, a DistroKid account, so they can get paid. And as always, DistroKid never takes a cut. You and your collaborators get 100% of the earnings in total. A couple other awesome things that they do is they set up an official artist YouTube channel. Uh, you can use Spotify Canvas, Synced Lyrics, promo card to promote your release on social media, a mini video for your socials as well. There's just so many awesome things about using DistroKid. And like I said, I don't advertise things I don't use, haven't signed up for. I have signed up for this. It is a breeze, literally a breeze. And you can get going right away. So definitely check out DistroKid. And I want to give you 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. That is distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for Peer Pleasure Podcast. Once again, that is 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. Distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP. Go check out DistroKid right now. Distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for 30% off. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Hey guys, this is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I wanted to tell you about Premium Pleasure, our premium subscription service that's available now. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. There's three tiers, tier one, tier two, and tier three. Tier one is $5 a month. It gets you the ad-free experience. Tier two gets you access to the Peer Pleasure Passcast. It gets you access to the videos of the interviews. It gets you merch discounts. Tier three is $20 a month. That gets you all of that. It gets you the Passcast, gets you the video footage, discounts on merchandise, and monthly Zoom calls with myself and other guests. We're going to have all kinds of stuff in there for you. There's all kinds of stuff in there for you now. There is, uh, I believe, 30 to 40 videos of these interviews. There is uh, multiple episodes of the past cast. The past cast is a podcast that I'd started separately. That is me and another podcaster or me and a guest uh, discussing a deep dive into their favorite episode of Peer Pleasure. Um, so there's a bunch of those on there. So so-and-so and I would talk about the Chino Moreno episode. So-and-so and I would talk about uh, the Yvette Young episodes. And we would do a deep dive and tell where they came from, how we got the guest, stories of uh, that weren't discussed on the podcast or maybe weren't in there. Um, it's just another glimpse behind the curtain. 
So that's the big deal with this premium service is giving you a glimpse behind the curtain of how the podcast is made, gives you access to things I'm doing and things that we're doing with the show, um, gives you, you know, ad free stuff. It gives you just all kinds of of things that we could throw in there to help make it a valuable part of your month, because I put everything out there on this show. I put everything I have into this show. Um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me and having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure. You know, there was a lot of, a lot of booze in, a lot of opiates, a lot of pills, a lot of heroin, a lot of, just a lot of excess, a lot of mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. yeah. A lot of, lot of, yeah, a lot of just kind of people that came into our circle that like probably didn't need to be there and probably weren't good influences on us and, yeah. you know, um, but, you know, fuck, what did we care? People wanted to hang out with us and thought we were cool for once in our lives. So, yeah, you know, like we thought that was fun. Um, but for me, leading up to the hiatus, it was just really hard to watch Tim kind of start to deteriorate you know mm. and then we had to make and it was really hard when we finally decided to like launch him you know because we andrew and i remember being in a hotel room like after we finally like just made the call and put him in a cabin he, he was gone yeah you know, he was gone and uh and he was just calling our hotel room over and over again we like unplugged the phone and i remember me and andrew just like each line like on our beds like not even in the beds in the hotel just like on top of them you know Mm -hmm. like tv on but like on mute and just like just unbearable kind of silence and sadness you know like we were both crying because we felt i think we saw definitely saw pieces of ourselves like in tim and we felt like hypocrites you know we felt like fucking we felt like how can we be the ones to send him home when like we're we do the same shit but the difference was i think is that like at the time andrew and i didn't put anything like before playing a good show or the band you know like everything else was like secondary to that like that was the the one thing we had to do every day that we had to really do it and do it well and you know like and and then we could you know ruin the rest of our lives but like yeah yeah, that's that was the one saving grace and when he kind of started messing that up um it was just unacceptable, you know, and yeah. and just and the way he was being, he started to get really mean and just not be the person that I know, you know. And then um, then we got Frank in the band, and Frank was great, and and then you know Andrew started to really kind of slip, uh-huh. you know, uh, towards the last record, and it, and it got really bad, and to the point of where like I literally, uh, you know, I felt like I was in a band with a stranger, and just like. A, like he said, like a sh- just a shell of a human, and like I mean, I was strung out as hell on dope at the time too. But like, I still had self-image. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, I, I still was like, at least being at least. I mean, like Andrew said, like he's the kind of uh, of drug addict that is just like you know the run of the mill, like stealing from my friends. You know, fucking yeah. cliche. You know, uh, cliche. I, I, I'm I'm the opposite of that and i think andrew would tell you the same thing too it's like Mm -hmm. you know i've never stolen from my friends or or really you know i mean i'm sure i've hurt people you know like Mm -hmm. not 
on purpose, and that's probably by my own actions, not so much just like, you know, needing more drugs. Um, but I think that I'm I, I I was a highly functioning addict, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so it was. It was again. It was. It was really hard, and you know, shit shit came down to it, and Andrew stole a bunch of money from our band, uh-huh. like put a put a bunch of like bought a like I think he bought a drug dealer like a, oh like a like five thousand dollars worth of shit like on our band credit card and our mm-hmm. manager called me one morning when he got the credit card bill and I had no idea this was happening you know mm-hmm. I hadn't even seen Andrew because we got off tour and I hadn't even seen him in like two months you know and like barely talked to him and had no idea this was really going on I mean I was in the depths of my own addiction too so yeah. I didn't really you know um I don't know. I'm like, my initial reaction was like, I wanted to go down to his house and just like hit him in the face with like a two by four, you know, like that was half of me. Yeah. I was so mad. He disrespected this thing that we worked so hard for and like, you know, put so much into like to steal from ourselves. Like that was just crazy to me. And then the other half of me was pissed off because like, man, he didn't do those drugs with me. Like what the fuck, you know, like yeah. <laughs> here, I, here I am like trying to like, figuring out ways to like come up with, you know, 40 bucks or whatever. So I can at least get like, you know, not get sick or something. Yeah. And Andrew's just having a fucking ball on our fucking credit card. You <laughs> I know? didn't even just, share. Yeah. Like, yeah. If you're going to steal from the band, at least like, let me do it with you. I, I don't know. But that was like fucked up. That was fucked up mentality. Too. Yeah. So <laughs> I kind of figured out pretty soon that like, that wasn't how I actually felt. It was just like resentment. Towards yeah. And the fact that I wasn't, I didn't have my shit together either, but I mean, I was just, I was really honestly just heartbroken, you know, I didn't, mm-hmm. and like, I couldn't in good conscience figure out a way. And and our manager was like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I got to step out. He was like, you know, he was like, you're great, Thomas, you know, you've never done anything wrong, but like, I just, I, I can't do this anymore, blah, blah, yeah. And then Andrew called me and was like, you know, we don't need him, like just all this, you know, bullshit basically. Yeah. And. I just was like, man, Andrew, we're done. I'm done. I'm done with you. Uh-huh. You know, like I could. There was no way I could be like, okay, you stole five thousand dollars from our band. Like it's all good. Let's go on tour now. You know, like yeah, <laughs> it just come down. Yeah, it come down to to nothingness. And and you know, and Frank again came in and, and and saved our band and did a fantastic job and is an amazing musician, an amazing person. But uh. I saw him in San Francisco on this last U.S. tour we did, and he actually played two songs with us for our encore, which uh-huh. was great. It was awesome. But, like, I had a long conversation with him where even he was like, you know, I, I love being in the Fall of Troy, and, and, and it was amazing, you know, to be able to play that music and be a part of that. But before that, you know, Frank was, like, our biggest fan next to my dad. Frank would, like, follow us around in California and, like, come to all the shows and hang out with us. But he was, like, our buddy. He wasn't, like, the weird Punisher. You know what I mean? Yeah. He was, like cool he was like he was like like one of the first people we met when we went out of state and he would just come hang for days you know we'd be in california for five or six shows and he'd just bring his shitty truck and just hang out and uh yeah i remember that's where i met him at was with you guys yep. he was he was uh yep. just a, a dude hanging out I'm like this is our buddy frank yep. and then i yeah and then but you know and even he was like man you know once tim left it was it was it was kind of never the same mm-hmm. you know and and he was saying when he saw us in San Francisco, he's like, it's so dope to like see you playing with Tim again. 
you know, because Tim is like the the yin to our yang completely. You know, like yeah. he if we had like a super like funky, amazing, crazy bass player, like it would be too much, you know, like, yeah, not that I don't think Tim is a tasty like I love his slot. I love his pocket. I like the way that he plays a little bit behind the beat on everything. Like uh-huh. you know, it almost comes off as like kind of messy on purpose, mm-hmm. but it also gives you that that for whatever reason I think it gives the feeling of like where maybe you can kind of hang with what's going on a little bit more because he holds it down. Yeah, you know, and like going off on these crazy things Andrew and I are doing. Like he's actually like kind of kind of holding holding it together you know what i mean like yeah um and making the music gr- like have a pocket and be understandable and like maybe um i mean he carries the melody a lot in mm-hmm. our band I think. um and 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 he's he's a very smart and very talented guy yeah. and uh and i just and the, and the way he performs is he's a he's just a great performer you know he's 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 the wild card. You never know what you're gonna get with him, but yeah. uh, but you're gonna get something. You know, and it's, <laughs> it's, it's gonna it's gonna it's it's ninety five percent of the time gonna be either amazing or very interesting and or exciting. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I yeah, and with Frank, it was more. It just felt like we were real tight and like we were playing really good and stuff, but like there was no that danger wasn't there you know yeah. like are we are, are we gonna make out on stage tonight are we gonna kill each other are uh-huh. we gonna you know like what yeah. you know are we gonna <laughs> play the best show we've ever played or is he gonna you know smash his bass and we're gonna send him home like who knows yeah oh and it's just yeah it, it, it makes it very very interesting i think and i think that he evens he evens out the 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 load of the fall of Troy musically and performance wise. Yeah. Okay. And he's, I mean, uh, I love Tim so much and he uh, touring with you guys was always, I had no idea until I talked to Andrew on that podcast, the depths of, uh, and I still don't completely understand it uh, of the substance abuse and how (laughs) deep it went. I mean, he was, and I mentioned it to you on the podcast. He was smiling and laughing the whole time. We were talking about this stuff that was so mm-hmm. dense, and I was, yeah. and I understand because he's on the other side of it now. And he's a, when I saw him coming down the street, it was like someone I've never met before. I was like, "Wow, he is, yeah, you know, night and day different now." Well, he's, he's, sober. he's back. He's back, and that's and I could see that electric personality that you guys were drawn to. I mean, it was because I never, I always knew him as Andrew, who was drunk a hundred percent of the time. And now I know it was Andrew that was drunk 100 percent of the time because he was trying not to withdraw from heroin. Yes, uh, well, most of us drink a lot too at the time, and yeah. like yeah, what he said about us. The thing was is we were never really using uh, like hard opiates on tour, you know? Yeah, it was kind of it was kind of a weird pact we almost had. Like like I think we knew like if we started getting hookups in cities and started doing shit like that, like on the road, yeah, we would really fuck our careers up. And like, you know what I mean? Like at least mm-hmm. we kind of, at least we had the peace of mind to somehow like kind of do that. I mean, there was definitely times where we'd like, you know, scorn 
get fucked up for a night, but not like, yeah. you know, we weren't cruising around like holding, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and I think that was the other thing too, is like, we did not want to get busted. Like we wanted to, we wanted to be a band and we wanted to be on tour and play music, like more than anything, more yeah. than anything. It's just, I think when we weren't playing music and being a band, everything else was so confusing and, and, and or boring that we needed uh, something kind of really crazy to make us feel normal or make us feel like something was happening, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, dude, I mean, it got, it went, it went as deep as it could go, you know? Do you I remember mean, it, like the, the point you hit bottom? I mean, do you, do you remember uh, what, what set it over the edge? I mean, was it, it, it was after the band broke up, right? Were, were, were you yeah. still using with Chiotos? Um, yeah, I or, wasn't at, I wasn't at first and then like the Chiotos thing went like really south and um yeah. like some other stuff in my life was going really south at the time and I, I relapsed uh-huh and so you and got like, you got clean between the band breaking up and joining Chiotos like through, I, through just like uh, vinyl you were yeah, straight yeah from 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 heroin yes okay yeah from heroin yes but in Chiotos, I also drank myself into the hospital three times. Oh shit! Uh, and uh, you know, and then yeah, and then yeah, I went back to, and so that was bad. And I was like, man, I'm drinking way too much. <laughs> and here's the junkie mentality of like, you know, maybe I should just get a little bit of heroin and just kind of, you know, <laughs> yeah, that'll fix it <laughs> out a little bit. You know, it's it's, it's insane. But uh, you know, I was in a really dark place at the time too. And this is kind of where it comes uh, full circle about what, what I was saying uh, about Jenica uh-huh. earlier in the way that we know each other and the way our relationship is. It's like, you know, she would come drive uh, hours to visit me when I was living like outside of Flint uh-huh. when I was in Chiodos. It's mm-hmm. like living on our keyboard player Brad's couch yeah. pretty much our time. And, um, you know, I pretty much either had them to hang out with or like, nobody because Davison's like a very small town with like one bar you know that everyone in town goes to every night because yeah. that's what it is. um so jenica came would come up like a few came up a few times and and hung out with me and one time she took me out to ann arbor you know another time we came through town and uh she you know brought me to like where she lives and and stuff like that and uh then i i was uh i was on a tour i was on a tour I think in Europe, it was like our first Europe run that we did. And, and I was kind and I was like, this was like before I technically left Chiodos, uh-huh. yeah, but it was as I was on my way out uh, and they knew and I was on my way out because Fall of Troy had gotten back together and that was uh-huh. going really well. And so I was like, I was in a place where, you know, and, and, and I called Jenica and I was like, you know, I just, I feel like I'm afraid, I'm afraid to go back to Seattle because there's all this drama uh there that like just a bunch of shit i don't feel like stepping in and i know exactly where i'm where i'm gonna go you know what i mean yeah as soon as i get there and and she was kind of just like well you know she was like your next tour starts in kalamazoo that's like four or five hours away or something like that yeah or two I i don't fucking know um but, you know, she she was like, well, you know, you have, like, what, 
like six or seven days, five five or six days off or something like that. She was like, why don't you just, why don't you just like come out here and just, you know, you can hang out with, with Aubin and I and like sleep on the couch and just kind of like, you know, uh, just chill out and get your head together and, and then I'll go with you to Kalamazoo and I'll drive you there and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And, um, like, yeah, I, n- I never slept on the couch. That never happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was crazy. Cause that was when it, that's when it definitely, uh, took like the romantic turn, you know, but like yeah. more or less the way that I really feel about it now, uh, in hindsight is like, I mean, she. I mean, she. She. She saved my life. She potentially saved my life, you know. Or, or, it, I mean, yeah, you know, she. She probably saved my life because if I would have gone back to Seattle, who knows? You know, I probably would have got back into dope. And whether I would have died or not, that that's not the point I'm trying to make. Sure. You know, I. I, I would have been back, right where where I started, and. Uh, yeah, and she gave me. She gave me the uh, a door. She opened the door to let me have a, you know, have an option out of that. And uh, yeah. I don't know. It's like it felt like it felt really amazing at the time, but I was really nervous because I really, I really liked her and I was really attracted to her. But she kind of intimidated me, and I wasn't sure, you know, and I wasn't sure how Aubin was going to kind of react to me. Yeah. Um, but he knew who I was and stuff, uh-huh. and. Uh, was like excited but and then um and then when i was here and, and i hung out with him and stuff it's like him and i really got along really really well and i think that's something that definitely made her feel more like oh hmm you know uh maybe thomas isn't such a retard after all uh yeah. which is still questionable if she thinks that or not but like one time i remember we were like, this was like in the beginning of our relationship and I, we were like sitting down to dinner or something. And Jenica was like, you know, she was like this and that. And, you know, and, and when Thomas watches you tonight, like you need to listen to Thomas because uh, she was like, I know you guys are like, you know, BFF and you guys have a lot in common, but you have to listen to him because he's an adult. And my initial reaction was to go, I am not. <laughs> You know, like, and I was like, yeah, yeah, yes, yes, I am. Yes, I'm I an am. Adult and you have to listen to me, <laughs> sir. <laughs> you know, like, but yeah, my initial like thought, like the initial thing that came into my head was like, nah, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> I'm not adult. What? Yes, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I just, I got really lucky uh, with her and her opening her. Um like her not only her like heart you know and i mean that takes a lot for for anybody like you know it's like we knew each other and we talked but it's not like we got to date or anything you know what i mean it's yeah. like we did now we got we got to go on like maybe like we got to go out and like spend time together maybe like three or four times before i basically moved in with her yeah you know and it's and- tour spend time together so it's it's a whole different dynamic yeah, definitely. Yeah. And you're never um, in, in the same place and never yeah. in the same mentality as you are when you're not on tour. Right. And and that alone to to open your heart and your home to someone like that is like a very brave thing to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? To yeah. take that risk. I mean, much less 
much less a single mother with a seven-year-old. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. that's very, that's very brave and like very, uh, I don't know. I feel like a very big responsibility towards like, you know, making that, uh, making that worth it for her, you know, in the, in the long run. Like, I mean, I can be a total shithead, but like, you know, when it comes down to it, like, it's it's the it's the most it's the biggest thing anyone's ever done for me. Yeah, let's put it that way. You know. Yeah, and that and she's is... and she's changed my life. She's she's taught me a lot about um, just kind of um, like domesticated life and just like you know like think like stupid things, stupid things that I never learned because I've been on the road since I was fifteen years old. You know, like yeah, like yo, you gotta you gotta do dishes every day. You know, you gotta like, you gotta swift the floor, you know, like, <laughs> like yeah. you, you can't just like, you know, I, you don't just live in a hotel, you know, like this is your house now, treat it like your house now, like, yeah. you know, and sure shit, don't expect me to fucking pick up after you. Cause I already got one little boy and I don't need another one, dude. <laughs> like, that kind of shit. And it's like, yes, ma'am, you know? Yeah. Um, but then she's also just very, uh, very, very supportive and understanding and, uh, and like, yeah, just like totally wants me to go just kick life's ass. And I know that's the whole point of it for her, you know, like at the end of the day, like she just wants me to be the best, uh, Thomas that I can be, you know? Sure. And, um, I mean, I also think probably be the best Thomas that she could have to, <laughs> to some degree, but, uh, that, I'm cool with that. I, I, I owe her one or two or five. Or sure. Ten, you she know? wants her return so, on the investment as well. Yeah. Yeah. Know? Yeah. She, she, you know, I'm on a lease with an option to buy right now, basically. Yeah. There you go. She, <laughs> I, I need don't, to meet this girl. I, I, yeah. I, I really do. And, and the one thing I really gleaned from that, uh, that piece is she's extremely intelligent because she put, the ball in your court. She made the offer. She didn't make you do anything, you know, but she, she gave you the option to make the decision to come out there instead of, you know, really buttering it up to, you know, you need to come out here. She gave you an option knowing probably full well that he's going to do it, but he's going to make his own decision to do that. And that is extremely, I don't, I don't even think, I don't even know if she knew if I was going to do it or not. Or like if, if she knew at the time, how big of a deal it was, you know, mm-hmm. I don't even know if I knew at the time how big of a deal it was. And sure. also the other thing about it that, that was, I think good was that there was no like expectation of like, you know, come out here and let's be romantic. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was like, it, it was not a, at that point it was like, not at all about that. It was mm-hmm. about like, you know, I felt like someone genuinely wanted to like make sure that I didn't, fuck my life up you know yeah and that was that was the most important thing and then once you know i was here and and things were good and i was happy and all this these other things kind of fell into place very quickly and kind of very followed and i mean ever since then i've the only times i've gone back to seattle for you know to rehearse or to write or Mm -hmm. record like i've been out here to detroit like in my free time since then you know and so that was that was about a year ago. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that's kind of the story with us, and that's kind of why I'm here. And 
kind of why I like her so much and all that kind of biz, you know? Sure. And I'm really glad, I mean, I'm really glad how open you and Andrew are with talking about, you know, your struggles and, and, uh, drugs and, and drinking and, and all that. Because I mean, the other thing that was cool that I saw you were doing lately is guitar lessons and, and, um, you know, over the internet or in person. And do you find, uh, when you do that, you get a lot of, uh, younger musicians that, that really look up to what you're doing and, and, uh, you know, do you feel a responsibility to, you know, be truthful with them about, about everything and, and just kind of make sure people know, you know, Hey, I've been down this road and, and, uh, you know, you don't want to go down this road or, um, yeah, I'm, I don't, I'm not preaching. You know what I mean? Like you got to make mistakes for you to learn, make them, but like, know that these are the consequences of potentially making the choices that you're talking about making, Yeah. you know, and I'm, I'm here to tell you, bruh, you know, like you're, you're 17 and that, you know, when I was 17, I was on an airplane, you know, flying to the UK for my first time to play shows, you know, yeah. high on oxy. So like, I'm, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I know. Um, and it's more of like trying to, uh, at least with the younger, uh, like kids that take lessons from me, but really what's crazy about it to me is it's really mainly like my, my, my target age range of students that I usually have is like 23 or 24 up to like my age, up to like 30, uh-huh. like 30. Yeah. And, uh, I have a few kids that are like 15 or 17, 19, you know? Um, and it's crazy. Like the, this, I have this 15 year old student or I did when I was in Seattle, I was teaching at a music school there and he was 15 and would come in and like, just like rip an entire Chon song for me, you know, uh-huh. like, perfectly and he, he he was just it's crazy uh nowadays i think he especially with technology like how grown up kids are like even with Aubin, i mean he's seven years old you know and mm-hmm. uh, i mean he's really tall to begin with he looks like he's 10 you know yeah. but it's just he's so uh like savvy with like an ipad or like the playstation or like whatever you know and mm-hmm. You know, he's always just, mom, just give me the remote. You don't know what you're doing. You know, like, <laughs> like sometimes I'll be in a conversation with him, like when I'm when I'm like, putting him to bed or like reading him a bedtime story, and we'll start talking about something, and I'm talking to him, and then I'm like, wait, like you're seven, like go to bed, man. You know, like, <laughs> you know, like you don't need you don't need to have this existential conversation right now about like, you know, whatever it is that he chooses to bring up, like as he's half awake, but yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's, it's just crazy to me because I know that when I was, you know, 15, 16 and Andrew and Tim, like we were, we had a lot of older people around us too, you know? And like, I know everybody looked at us as like the kids, but at the same time, like at that time we were way ahead of the curve because that's when the internet was just really starting to, to like be shit, you know? And like, you were able to be connected to people in different places constantly, Oh, you know? Yeah. yeah. So you got to learn it. So like with that, I feel like you get to learn a lot more about culture. You don't just learn about the the kids and the people that go to your middle school and live on your street. You like, you can have a friend that lives in 
California or New York, you know, and, or or even, you know, uh, London or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And yeah. The closest thing that people had to that kind of before the whole um, social media thing was like pen pals, you know? And I feel like mm-hmm. when I grew up, it was cool because we had MySpace and, and whatever, and this is before Facebook and Instagram and all that, but it was more just about reaching out and like having a bunch of pen pals that you could like correspond with and talk to and, you know, learn about their lives and they learn about your lives. And, uh, and it was cool, you know? Yeah. It was cool. And, but now I feel like that's been taken to the complete extreme because now it's like with Instagram and all these things, like you can literally like almost be in someone's life. You know what I mean? (laughs) That's very true. Like more in their life than you would be if like they were your neighbor and you saw them at the bus stop and had one class with them. You know, you're way more in their life if you follow them on Instagram and Facebook and yep. you know, all this type of shit. And like it's it's just crazy. It's crazy to me. Um but I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it can be I think if a kid is a good kid and they're smart and they know the difference between um kind of what's right or what's wrong, or at least they're trying to learn the difference between what's right and what's wrong. Cause I think we live in a time more than ever where like the lines of what's right and what's wrong are, are so blurred. It's, it's hard to figure it out even sometimes for me as a 31 year old, Yeah, you know? Um, but I think like, I think that's always been how it is. And like a lot of people t- talk about the internet or talk about this or that or influence of this or that. And uh, it's just the same shit that's always happened. You know, it's the same shit that happened you know, with the doors, it's the same shit that happened with the Beatles or, you know, or, yeah. or the internet or rock and roll or rap or NWA or, you know, death row records. Like it, you know, if people, if people just kind of are intelligent enough to try to look into things enough to like realize, uh, what is acceptable as a human being, then like, you know, you're going to be all right, kid. You know, <laughs> sure, sure. But you know, there is fucked up, mean people in the world, dude, and like that never goes away. I don't care if you're seven years old getting bullied by a kid at recess, or if you're thirty-one years old and you know uh, being talked shit to at a bar. It's all yeah. the same. There's a lot. There's a lot of real pieces of shit out there that are ignorant. They're ignorant and they aren't intelligent, and they don't reach out into the world enough to get culture or uh, socialize themselves in a way mm-hmm. where where they can look at life uh, as being something that is more than, you know, just like waking up and going to bed every day, I guess. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's uh, something we're really uh, lucky is touring musicians to expand our worldview ext- on extremes, being able to see different cultures right. and, and having everything so accessible and, and, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's a cool, it's a cool dynamic. Um, and I was talking it's... to the thrice guys, uh, on another mm-hmm. episode about their, their album title and, and how, uh, to be everywhere is to be nowhere and how, mm-hmm. if you're having a really shitty day on tour, you know, uh, it's, it's okay because it's going to be over tomorrow. I'll be 150,000 miles away from here or whatever. Yeah. And yeah. if it's going good, well, it's not going to last because I'm going to be gone tomorrow. So you really can't, 
uh-huh. can't expand or contract. I mean, you you just kind of exist, but you're you're absorbing all this information as uh-huh. you go, and you get home, and your whole perspective has changed. Well, right, and I think especially like for you know guys like me and Andrew and Tim who have literally just been road dogs since we were like, I mean, fucking for all intents and purposes, little boys. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely. 15, 16 years old to be out on the road with my two buddies playing rock music, no responsibilities and no supervision. Like, uh-huh. that's scary, man. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, and we learned a lot. We learned we learned a lot about, like, being safe and what's not safe and where to go and where not to go and who to talk to and who not to talk to. And, mm-hmm. you know, like, um, but yeah, what I was going to say is what's also interesting with the whole social media thing and being and being a touring musician that is kind of a really cool thing yeah. is that um you can be involved with these people like closely and then you get to see them a couple times a year you know and like you 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 know what's going on with them you know what's you know what's going down you know what they ate for dinner yesterday or whatever which <laughs> yeah. they have a fucking about that but like you know I mean, like you, you're able to keep up with actual actual important things that people are going through or their lives and i just think um it can be a valuable tool to like maintaining lifelong friendships i mean you know what i mean i've yeah I've friends i've made on tour that i've stayed in touch that i've definitely talked to more via the internet than in real life that are going to be lifelong friends of mine and will be there when i get married and will be at my funeral and you know what i mean like no yeah. questions um, and it also has been cool because it has also allowed guys like me and you to be able to stay in touch with each other. Yeah. All right, folks, that's part one of my conversation with Thomas Erak from the Fall of Troy. Stay tuned for part two. If you want to click over to that now, feel free. If you want to listen to it later, that's fine, too. It'll be available to you right now. So once again, had a great conversation with Thomas. Uh, really love that guy and uh, he's been a good friend for a lot of years so I hope you guys are enjoying these episodes I hope you're enjoying the guests I'm bringing you I've got a lot more coming up uh, before the end of the year and a lot more coming up in 2017 some big guests some really interesting conversations going to be happening and uh, being a part of the Jabberjaw Media family now things are going to hopefully move along uh, a lot quicker so really appreciate all the downloads all the messages emails comments Really loving hearing from you guys and and feeling like a collective more than just me talking. So um, once again, Thomas Erak, part two, coming up next, uh, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.
This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.